is Monday, January 2nd, 2017, and this is Radio Wave.
Here it is, January 2nd. Has the feeling of Christmas already left you? Are we following secular society toward this? Who dictates when Jesus is to be aborted? The day after Christmas, December 26th, everything's pulled down. Everything's changed. We've given up the ground. We can no longer celebrate the birth of Christ. So Merry Christmas. Even if you don't feel it, because your surroundings has evaporated the traces of Christmas already. A few days ago, I was in St. Paul, Minnesota. The airport, walking in, it was refreshing. Christmas decorations, Christmas music. The malls don't have that. And I can attribute that only to the Catholic influence up there in St. Paul's. Because even the Protestants are giving the ground up commercially in commerce not to follow Christmas. But the day and afterwards, everybody resigns to it. It's no longer there. So I go to the Delta counter, and the lady says to me, Happy Holidays. I said, No, it's still Christmas. Merry Christmas. She's in the airport. She's surrounded by these things. But she's ran by a corporation worldwide that don't even want to say Merry Christmas before Merry Christmas. And I responded back to her, No, it's still Merry Christmas. She looked at me startled and says, You're right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I could tell by the way she said it, she's restrained from saying that because she might offend somebody, somebody from another religion or another race of people or Hindu or whoever. And I liberated her. Her colleagues next to her could hear her because she wasn't being quiet. She was proclaiming it. She just needed somebody to sit there and accept it to give it. But I heard the pilot when he landed said, Happy Holidays. Before they take off, they talk about these things when we land on several flights, happy holidays. You can see this program, don't refer to Christmas. You might offend somebody. That's what Christianity is about, offend somebody. So this woman struck up a conversation. She was so thrilled about this because in her roots, probably Catholic being there in this town, she was freed from being offended somebody. But it doesn't matter. A few days before Christmas, actually a couple of days before Christmas, Christmas, I was in Publix grocery store in Birmingham here. And I said Merry Christmas to the clerk before she could say anything. She completely lit into me in a positive way. Merry Christmas to you. And I'm free to say that. She says Publix doesn't tell us we can't say it. We had a conversation about politics and everything while she was doing the groceries. And it was refreshing to see that. We don't have to follow the culture. In fact, we cannot follow the culture. Epiphany, Christmas, ends January 8th. Are you complying with those who hate Christmas? Those who disguise their hatred? By saying, well, we can't, we got to be more politically correct. This is the language war. The corruption of Christmas is by language. What do you think about Donald Trump? Donald Trump, everywhere he went on his thank you tour, had a sign on the podium that said, Merry Christmas in big letters. Thank you tour, small letters. 
His Christmas card had him by a Christmas tree. Merry Christmas. This man, who many say is not very much of a Christian, does more for Christianity as far as promoting it and not being ashamed than those who are supposed to be saints. So where are we with this? Where are you with it? Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje. And when you go back to when Jesus was with his apostles and he was about to leave them, he said that the Holy Spirit would come and he promised them something that they would receive. He said, you will receive power. That was the promise that was left to them. And that is the purpose of Radio Wave is to give you power, to empower you for not only for your daily life, for also for when those circumstances come up, like what you just heard a friend of Medjugorje say, that you have the power of knowing what to say, that you have the spirit behind you to give you power. Because in the world today, evil is powerful, but Our Lady is more powerful. And so tonight, as you listen to this broadcast tonight, ask Our Lady to give you the power that you're supposed to receive from this. So this is a friend of Medjugorje. If you look in the book of Webster's Dictionary, 1828, there are already inroads being made about changing the season. If you look up holidays, it doesn't define it. It refers you to see holy days. When you look up holy days, it's a day defined, set apart for religious purposes. It's not holidays, it's holy days. We've changed that. How did it change? It changed through the French Revolution. That happened around the 1790s. By 1800, we started to see in the words, instead of holy days, to holidays. This is a language game. And it's built and it's grown, and we don't gain ground. We lose it by using the verbiage that they use. And tell people, it's not happy holidays, it's happy holy days. Well, January 1st, the beginning of the year, it's not a holy day. Yes, it is. It's the Mother of God, the Feast of the Mother of God, January 1st. It's a holy day. This is where you start your fight. What Our Lady said on November 2nd, 2016. This year is the year to engage and contradict those who are in error, whether innocently or through ignorance or by purpose. Our Lady, Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's January 2nd, 2017 message given on the day for non-believers. Dear children, my son was the source of love and light when he spoke on earth to the people of all peoples. My apostles follow his light. This is not easy. You must be little. You must make yourselves smaller than others with the help of faith to be filled with his love. Not a single person on earth can experience a miraculous experience without faith. I am with you. I am making myself known to you by these comings, by these words. I desire to witness to you my love and motherly care. My children, do not waste time posing questions to which you never receive an answer. 
At the end of your journey on earth, the Heavenly Father will give them to you. Always know that God knows everything. God sees. God loves. My most beloved Son illuminates lives, dispels darkness, and my motherly love which carries me to you is inexpressible, mysterious, but real. I am expressing my feelings to you, love, understanding, and motherly benevolence. Of you, my apostles, I'm asking for your roses of prayer, which need to be acts of love. To my motherly heart, these are the dearest prayers. I offer these to my son, who was born for your sake. He looks at you and hears you. We are always close to you. This is the love which calls, unites, converts, encourages, and fulfills. Therefore, my apostles, always love one another, and above all, love my Son. This is the only way to salvation, to eternal life. This is my dearest prayer, which fills my heart with the most beautiful scent of roses. Pray, always pray for your shepherds, that they may have the strength to be the light of my son. Thank you. So in this long message, it's hard to know where to start. So many things you could ask. Our Lady says, My children, do not waste time posing questions to which you never receive an answer. What are some of the questions you think that she's talking about, that the world is posing or the church is posing? Asking questions in which there are no answers that they're going to receive. We're in pursuit of things that we'll never get the answer for. It's inevitable that they're not to be answered in this world. You have Maria, the second day of the apparition, saying, is there life on other planets? And Maria hears Our Lady states in response, it's not for you to know now. There's things that are not going to be known, just like it's not to be known for us to know the secrets. One day we'll know in this life, but the things that we won't know, because we don't have the comprehension to even grasp it, we will never be able to prove outside the Bible the beginning of creation. They don't even look at it creation because that refers to a creator. They look at it, when did the universe begin? How old is it? This is containing hundreds of billions of dollars and zillions of dollars through decades searching for stupid answers because that's all they're going to come up with this question. And the money spent on it is going to be a stupid answer. Because it minuses that God, and we cannot grasp God, nor his magnificence, through science and what they're trying to prove and they're trying to walk. That's just one aspect. And we have all these things that we're searching and spending money on sciences and research. We're never going to find an answer for cancer. 
It's not there because it's a consequence of the way we live. More money, GMO, the chemicals, everything we do is built in the wrong way. We're not in line with God. If we align ourselves with God, we'll go back to the cancer rates preceding when they started escalating in the 1800s when people were aligned with the way their life was with God and agreeing on base life without all these other things and trying to do this and alter genetics. We've gone, look at the statistics. I've read it in the last year, so amazing. Like one in 150 people got cancer right then. And it escalated more and more to statistics now that within the next two or three years, two out of three men will get cancer. This has grown from the 1800s. It's the way of life. It's the things that we don't understand that we won't and seek these answers and we end up playing God. There's things that he doesn't want answered. There's things that to be unknown. Atheists are kind of like this. Atheists themselves are always wanting to unknow what they already know. And they want to pretend that they know God doesn't exist. What is an atheist preoccupation? Always talking about God. How can you be and don't believe in something that exists that you always are trying to prove he doesn't exist? They have a preoccupation with this. I'm not talking about or speaking about non-believers who's never known the love of God. They don't know. An atheist that's promoting atheism, he's fighting something. He's admitting something when he says there's no God. The mentality of the unknown that they have by trying to unknow it shows that they know something, that they're entering into a life that they don't want to admit to be restrained for a variety of reasons, his laws, his statutes. And so it's a lie. Atheists live a lie. A non-believer doesn't. He just doesn't know. You could say he's an agnostic. But these people promoting to grow an atheist audience, to skip church, they're fighting God. It's not that they don't believe. And it proves itself.
I know you think that they could never understand. Oh, but you don't want to be right. And now you only want to make it out alive. Is that what you do? When you know Mary's here and we have things that we're commissioned to go speak out of and talk about are those encounters that God gives us and we know we're right, but we don't want to push in the wrong territory that may cause us to be uncomfortable even though we know because we don't want to be right, because that's going to cause conflict, and all you want to do is make it out alive, let 2017 be the year that you proclaim Mary, her apparitions to the unknown, even those who do not want to know. We're commissioned. There's no more waiting time. Our Lady said in the message today, my motherly love which carries me to you is an expressible message mysterious but real and the question is is in the earlier years of the apparitions our lady said god sending me to the earth or the the words which god is telling me to convey to you and yet here she's saying that it's her motherly love that's carrying her to us is there a, a contradiction between what she's saying or maybe is there something that our lady couldn't maybe reveal in the beginning of the apparitions that she's now revealing now. Well, every message is, is peeling back of the pages of, of the mystery of who and what is happening to us, to the world. Mary is a mystery. She had to be kept that way in the scriptures for 2,000 years. There actually was a heresy around 200, 300 AD that made Mary a god. See, they had the residue of the apostles passing to their kids to the next, to the next that they knew Mary's mystery. They knew some things about her. And that had to be lost. So they condemned those who proclaimed Mary as a goddess in a heresy. The church condemned it. 
And you say, why did it happen? Because it had to be. Because the magnificence of Mary is so great, so powerful, so profound, so mysterious in her statute of who she is and the plans of God, that it's easy to make her a God. And yet she says, I'm from the people. She says, I have no power, but just like you, I have to pray. Can anybody penetrate into the Trinity to the depth of the Virgin Mary? No one can. What the scripture says, Jesus said, you'll be as gods. So it's easy to transverse into the position Mary is a God. So I'm convinced that God kept her in a secondary role in somewhat, even from the beginning of the days of the church, because there'd be a competition with Christ and who he was. Her, her role took 2,000 years to refine. 1850s or so before the Immaculate Conception is declared as dogma of the church. The assumption the same way, all the way up to 1950, the dogma on the assumption of our lady into heaven. Why did we have to wait to this age? Because we were coming to the time of Mary. Everything had to come to progression so we could define who Christ is and we'll be able to define who the Virgin Mary was. So when you ask the question, is there a contradiction? And my mother love, which carries me to you, is inexpressible, mysterious, but real. It was she who gave St. Dominic the rosary. She didn't give herself and say, tell everybody to pray to me. She says, use this rosary. This is how to pray it. This is how to say it to stop the wars. See, it's the protection of this heresy creeping back in. Same thing with the scapular. Same thing with Marcus Metal. Same thing seeing the sign in Fatima. It's not her very being, it's a God in her being. And now she's given the medal of the world, the completion of all these apparitions. The medal is, like the Marcus Medal, Medjugorje itself. It's a geographic place. It's the place of conversion. It's the place of Mary, Queen of Peace, and her reign to begin in a new way that we've ever seen before. We didn't get it to 1910 or so, the title, Queen of Peace. It's the last one that was added by the church. So we have this love, which carries me to you, that God couldn't suppress it anymore in heaven. Her love for us, to save man, her children, to gather us up, was impossible for God to say no to her. 2,000 years of waiting, and you're in this amphitheater, if I've said before, of the second greatest moment in history. Some people may question that. Oh, my son is a source of grace, the lady said, and love and light when he spoke on the earth of all peoples. She then changes the subject to my apostles. What does it say about us who are apostles and who will be her chosen people in this time, in her time? That's us. My apostles follow this light. This is not easy. You must be little. You must make yourself smaller than others. With the help of faith to be filled with his love. There's something very profound about the first sentence. The writing I'm putting out right now, the first thing I wrote about, was the first sentence. My son was a source of love and light when he spoke on earth to the people of all peoples. Uh-oh. This is not politically correct. We're in a world today that you don't put any people over other people, especially minorities, especially the small numbers of different cultures or indigenous people. They're first. We're submitting to them now in everything. All the language changes it. Christianity has elevated man. And those societies that are Christianized are to pull everybody up to where they are. Yet Our Lady distinguishes 
He spoke on earth to the people of all peoples. Who is that? The Jewish people. Our Lady is tying us. My apostles follow his light because we're going to be people of all peoples. We're to lift up everybody, drag them out of the, the slime of some of the cultures, what they live in, the paganism, and even pagan Christianity. We are the people of all people on the earth today. But look at how our Lady says this. She says to do this, it's not easy. Because it's not ruling over people. It's not going to say we're better than you. We're Christians. We're self-righteous. We're this. We don't do this and this and this. And you do that and that and that. Our Lady is saying, you're going to be the people of all peoples. You're going to be my apostles. Follow his light who spoke to the peoples of all peoples. And then our Lady changes it. This is not easy. You must be little. Wow. We're not going to lord over people. We're going to go underneath them. We're going to foundation them to lift them up. Not through government grants, not through education, not through gimmicks and answers man is given, which is not answerable because they're wrong to start with. You must be little. You must make yourself smaller than others. You see what our lady says about what Jesus did when he spoke on earth to the people of all peoples. He foundationed to the Jewish people, went to the Gentiles, humbled themselves below them, elevated them, and grew them into the people of God. And we now are in that position. This is not politically correct to say that anywhere on earth there's a people of all peoples. The Jewish people still are. We use their Old Testament. We have our New Testament. We don't eradicate our history. We build upon that foundation. You're going to be small. You're to be little. You must make yourself smaller than the others. Those who are pagans, those who we try to lift up, is what his apostles said. Let me be at your right, let me be at your left. He says, if you want that, you've got to serve all the others. Jesus was God. He made himself little. You must be little. You must make yourself smaller than others with the help of faith to be filled with his love. Not a single person on earth can experience a miraculous experience without faith. You say, well, how does that happen if somebody doesn't believe? You're the miracle. You're to create the miracle. You pray for them. In the writing today, explains an incredible miracle that the people didn't have faith, but because of the other people who had faith, it gave it to them, and they created the miracle for the non-believer. It doesn't mean they won't see something miraculous. It doesn't mean St. Constantine didn't see across in the sky during the Roman Empire and changed and opened up Christianity for everyone. It doesn't mean that Attila the Hun marched on Rome and he's about to take over the world. And this guy's not a believer. He looks up above the Pope and the Pope comes and meets him to stop him. They're all going to be slaughtered. And he sees Peter and Paul with swords menacing him. He turned around. Attila the Hun's Ambition was to conquer the whole world. But you see, the people, the little people, the ones without swords, had the weapon of prayer and humility, and they even turned around this man who never converted. Prayer works miracles in you and through you. That means for other people. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If there are people who have no faith, they'll never experience miracle. You may be converted. You may be listening to this program 10 years from now and realize you had no faith, but somebody won that for you. And that's an important feature. 
in the spiritual walk that we are on with Our Lady. We know we've entered into a special year in that this is the 100th year of Fatima from 1917 to 2017. And I found these words of Our Lady today kind of interesting where she says, Of you, my apostles, I'm asking for your roses of prayer, which need to be acts of love. That immediately called to mind these three little Fatima visionaries that she's teaching them to pray the rosary. It's in Fatima that she said, pray the rosary for peace in the world. And that she's teaching these little children about the importance of offering these acts of love in their minds. You know, they offer to skip lunch or to do something that they prefer not to do. In fact, she even told Francesco that he had to do many of these if he wanted to go to heaven. Fatima's Francesco. I say that because Maria has Francesco too, and he's just like the one in Fatima. She She said he he had to pray a lot of rosaries when they asked him to go to heaven. Yes, but he'll have to pray lots of rosaries. So later on in the message, right at the very tail end, she says, this is my dearest prayer. As far as she's saying, therefore, my apostles always love one another and above all, love my son. This is my dearest prayer, which fills my heart with the most beautiful scent of roses. I can tell you that she's never said the word roses. And it's an incredible thing that she says this and she says it twice and how she uses it is very, very beautiful. Because she ties it to belovedness. But what's interesting is roses of prayer, we think of the rosary, roses of prayer which need to be acts of love. What good is faith without works? We have to have the works with it. And so, Our Lady brings up something new in this message, saying the word roses, which we've always referred to that, roses associated with Our Lady, the smell of roses during the apparition. Sometimes people have these things that happen. But that's not what we're looking for. What she is, rather, is the need to be acts of love. Which she said, I will offer to my son who is born for your sake, not her sake, your sake. And so we have this moment we're in that these acts of beloved for her that are of love is part of all the plan to go on. Mariana in a book talks about the events that were being birthed in the world today as a precursor to the secrets. All this is coming to be right now. And we're going to be crying. We're going to be lonely. One day we'll step over that line in time of grace to the time of the secrets. Think about that. What's it going to be like on the day, 10 days before, that we know Father Peter has these secrets to read? Are we going to regret what's happened? Are we going to cry about it? Especially when they manifest themselves and we could have been part of it. Thank God we're part of it. I think we're going to have a consolation when it happens. It'll be thrilling for us. Will there be regrets? Everybody regrets. You'll always have those things. That's part of the spiritual life. As was said in the song a while ago, looking out on the combat zone. We're entering into a combat zone. When we understand that, it's good to look and reflect. Today at Rosary, as a huge rain came in, everybody came up, had to change clothes. It was so wet. It was lightning and thundering. We have our baskets, if you've been here, our hanging baskets. Some of them blew off. That's how hard the wind was. But all this is thrilling at the same time because we see the power of God. But do we see it in the messages? 
We're going to be alone when we look out our window about it.
Of course, we've spoken often about the Lamentations time that comes when the message was said August 25th, 1997. Now you do not understand. Soon you will lament for my messages. Now you said that was a decade, way past a decade ago, almost two decades ago. That's a speck of time in who's in the future looking back on this time. They won't look at 20 or 19 years, whatever it might be. They look at it at that moment. And the thirst that they'll have of attaching themselves to something of Our Lady will be the messages. They'll be drinking those up. And the tears that will be crying for that, when you're lonely, the only consolation you have will be the messages. The thirst for the messages is going to be far greater than they are today. Maria sees Our Lady. She sees the message. She's not thirsting for them. Her life is the message. Our life is there. We thirst for them because we don't see Our Lady. We're living now what everybody will be living in the future if they're going to be a Christian. And I don't care if you're Baptist, you're Methodist, whatever you, and many Muslims and Hindus who convert. And the mysteries of the message. You must be little. You must make yourself smaller than the others. Who do you think that's talking about? Did a lady get from that? Or did St. Teresa, little flower, get it from God? She's a doctor of the church. She didn't study anything. She didn't live to be a long time. How long was her ministry? Four years? She did this? Very short. Was she died at 24 or something like that? Yes. This little bitty person, what did she do? What did she teach? She says the roses of her prayer need to be acts of love. Her whole writings were about acts of love. It's an incredible thing. You see, Our Lady doesn't say St. Teresa, but she speaks all about her. We were talking about during the middle of the song a minute ago about somebody out there across the world just finished their novena to St. Teresa, the little flower. You don't think they're flying on cloud nine right now? Look how God uses these messages. My writing today is completely opposite of everything I'm talking about right now. I'm using some of the same sentences of the messages. That's the secret. That's the mystery of Mary. She's come and brought us something the world's never seen. Messages as never before in the history of the world since the beginning. These things have secrets in them that's going to be unfolding trillions of times through billions of people who are alive and yet to be alive to the end of time. Nobody's cracked that secret. Nobody's had the key to unlock it. And Our Lady's gifted us with seeing this to teach you and others to do that. Even the visionaries don't see this. They do because we've been promoting this for 30 years now. That there's something more to these messages than just words. And here's a perfect example. She's telling us as apostles of who we are to be little. Not be little people, but be little ourselves. Well, that's how you gain status over them. As far as your influence, you always are to serve the others, if you want to be first. This is the way it works. We're in a wondrous time. Our Lady said, this is the love which calls, one, unites, two, three, converts, four, encourages, and five, fulfills. She gives you five things. Calls, unites, converts, encourages, fulfills. This is the keys of the messages. You break them down like that through prayer, not analytically, not theologically. You'll, you'll pervert these if you say theological to be applied to this, because what we understand about theology is what Pope Francis said, 
that I've been with theologians all morning. I do mass. I have talked to this 80-year-old woman or so. She tells me more in two minutes than all these theologians did in the whole morning that I just spent with them. Theological is logic, is deologic, God logic, common sense. Our Lady never said you need to go to school and study theology. Our Lady said, my son is a light of common sense. Common sense is what we need in the church, not more theology, not more encyclicals. We need something simple. Be simple. Be little. This is the keys to heaven, and this is the keys to understand the messages because the theologians don't understand them. They're bored with it. It's not confusing. It's not so up in the sky that nobody can grasp it and they have to figure, I'm figuring this out. All you got to do is be open to the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, we're anti-intellectualism in the church. It's a, it's a heresy. We have too much intellectualism in the church, and if God wanted that, He'd send his son talking that way. And if God wanted that, he'd send our lady with these lofty theological statements. And here is this message today that is so profound, so deep, that not one single person on earth cannot experience its miracles if you have faith. Without faith, you won't see it. If, you're, if your theology and your degrees and your PhDs is your faith, you'll never understand this. And time will pass you by and there will come a time when you will be lamenting that your intellectualism and your loftiness stopped you from understanding. I was just going to bring that up, that a real miracle can be taking place, but not even be recognized as supernatural if the person doesn't have faith. And Medjugorje truly does fall under that as an example, that there are so many who do not see the supernatural in Medjugorje. Well, people want freedom. They don't want to be restricted by things. They want to define God as, as they think, imagine him. Now, they says, you imagine God as who you think he is, not who he truly is. So we put him in this box. We put our lady in a box. Here she is coming that we've been proclaiming. We're on the forefront of the battle. We've walked in the battlefields that Mary is here for the second coming. Nobody's proclaimed that. Nobody's willing to say it. Nobody is saying the message, a Thursday message, put out by the parish, received by the visionaries, that will give messages as never before in the history of the world since the very beginning of time. This is a big thing because this doesn't fit what Mary's here for. And it causes controversy. No, not the message, not what we do. Those who are against it make controversy. Jesus, I've said before, was not controversial. You'll see this written by even religious people, even Christians. Well, Jesus was a controversial figure. That's a lie. You put the emphasis on Jesus as he did something when he's proclaiming the truth. Truth has controversy around it by those who make the controversy who hate truth. Truth is not controversial. Our Lady's not controversial. So they put this in the context because Our Lady's trying to make something beautiful. We follow the world. The youth are in trouble. They're going out all the time. They don't, they're not bad. You see many of them, that, not that way, but they, like the Cardinals told me, there's many good people who do bad things. And we don't even see that. And Our Lady's saying, take my hand. Let me pull you out of this. 
out of your blindness, out of your slavery. I want to take you somewhere beautiful. Our grounds here, our place, our way of life is a beautiful place. It's not easy. Our lady said that. And we're small and we're little. But the Navy SEALs are the same way. And we have a big impact on where this nation is going right now. We believe it in our heart. We've been crying out to God for it. We built a cross for this nation and its salvation for the soul of America. It's not symbol, but not symbolic, but something real. We built it with that intent, with those tears, with the prayer, with sacrificing ourselves for the salvation of the world, February 25th, 1988, already said, to do this. And we know the event's playing is a lot of what she was able to give a message here about our nation. And so this place this is a beautiful place. People come here and feel its beauty. They feel its peace. But you can have the same thing if you trust.
say emphatically the world is cold to our lady's call we couldn't even imagine if we lived in the 1200s or 1500s and how Christian and Catholic and how the church was so part of everything or like the 70,000 who ran to Fatima that we have our lady here and so many people are deaf and blind to the significance of this call. As far as the world's population, very few people are reading these messages. But we built a beautiful way of life, holding her hand, and she built a beautiful place for us to live in. It's not easy, but yet it's beautiful. So what happens when the whole world is confronted with the messages of the secrets who are cold to it and how difficult it would be to build what we have here now that we built in the greenwood walking with Our Lady that when the dry wood is here it's going to be very, very difficult. And if it's not easy now you can't even imagine how hard it's going to be in the future. It's why you don't act. Why are you not putting these messages completely in your life? Our lady said something incredible. In this message, she says, I desire to witness to you. This is the first time our lady's ever said this. It's intriguing. Why do you think this is important? Who is she speaking to? To us. She, with her words, and one of the most amazing things in here to me was, I am expressing my feelings to you. She's opening up and saying things, and God's allowing her to say and express herself what's in her. Thoughts are heart. And everything before that in the messages is nothing can say it except incredible. Inexpressible, mysterious, but real, who she is. And so she says, I desire to witness to you. This is referring to her words that she's putting something in our heart to witness to others. I never looked at this, that our lady's coming here, her presence with us, is a witness to us. I desire to witness to you my love and my motherly care. 
My children do not waste time posing questions. We experience in our daily life physical actions, miracles, and things that only does for us that can come only from her witness. It's not by chance. And to what you were saying earlier, it's true that the call is there. Certainly will be a lamentation for people who do not accept that call now, especially those so many people out there who've heard of Medjugorje. And you said earlier in the broadcast that Medjugorje is is the miraculous medal of today, or it's the scapular of today. It is the miracle. And for those of you who are listening out there, if you've never been to Medjugorje, if you've never had that experience of being in that place that Our Lady came and started giving her this witness of who she was, you're missing out on something now in this time of grace that will eventually go away. And so, this is something that's very important, and really it's a call for everyone. Our Lady wants everyone to go to Medjugorje. This is something that's been written since as long as I can remember before I even came to Caritas, even reading some of the things before I came here. It was so very, very clear. Our Lady wants people to do this. There's a specific reason why she has it, why she's put that call out there. It's partly because of what a friend of Medjugorje just said, or she wants to witness to you. So this is an important thing, especially this year, this 100th anniversary of Fatima that's going to be coming up soon. This is an important year. This is the year to go. You can certainly contact us here at Caritas. There's information on Medj.com as well, but you can contact us at 205-672-2000 and just ask about a Medjugorje pilgrimage. It's something very important. But to something that you said earlier, you touched on it, but you didn't go into it. Our Lady said, I offer these to my son who was born for your sake. Now, she makes a very big distinction in saying your sake. She's not saying our sake. She's not including herself in that. Is that is that by chance that it's that it's said that way? Is there that our, was our lady specifically mean to say it that way? Are we just being nitpicky about the words? No, our lady's making a profound statement here. Our lady, in an incredible way, says, I'm the market conception. I don't. I didn't need his redemption. Well, you can argue, okay, the Magnificat, my Savior, she says. She responded that way. She was in a human flesh. She couldn't probably answer at that time, oh, I was born without sin. That's been made known her completely after. She knew she probably felt God's presence, but she looked at herself as just like a sinner than anybody else. But yet she never sinned. But her pride would never let her go, though, even if she sensed it. She was too humble for that. She was too little for that. She's small in the greatness of everything God is seeing his magnificence. So now she can say it. I offer these to my son who was born for your sake. Not our sake. Not we will walk together for the sake. Your sake. So our lady is distinguishing her immaculate conception in this point. You know, there's a Bible verse that people look over that they don't pay attention to. You could, I could write a whole book about it. When Jesus was confronted with the Pharisees, and he says, you don't put new wine in old wineskin. What does that mean? And Jesus speaks about himself as a bridegroom. The Pharisees were questioning them about fasting. And he says, and relates to this statement, he says, that the bridegroom, when he's present, you don't fast. And he goes on and says the statement, you don't put new wine in an old wineskin. Do you know what that's talking about? The Samachic conception. He says in the Bible verse, it will corrupt the wineskin. 
and it had burst. Isn't it interesting that Jesus has said he's the bridegroom? Isn't it interesting that the wine was made at the wedding of Fisticana? Isn't it interesting that he wasn't going to start his ministry? Isn't it interesting that it's the Virgin Mary who called upon that? See, people don't know how to read the scriptures. These mysteries in the scriptures are there. I didn't see these things before I learned about the message and how to unlock them. I see in the scriptures. I've always seen this, and I've never heard anybody say that, that this verse is about a conception. We were talking about another issue. We were talking about fasting. Well, how does Jesus jump in the verse to the bridegroom? Is the bridegroom a girl or a boy? A man? A woman? It's a man. He's speaking of himself. He's speaking of himself as the wine, the new wine. And he says, we don't put this new wine, me, Jesus Christ, in an old wineskin, something that's corrupted, something that's sin. You put it in a vessel, you put it in a womb that's sinless. Otherwise, it would corrupt the Savior. It's big, it's deep, and it's not theological. It's common sense. This is the mystery of the messages. They point us to the scriptures and make us see. And you've never heard this. I'm convinced you never heard because I've never read it. I've never looked at it. It came to the messages. And I didn't come up with this yesterday. I saw this a long time ago in the messages. This is the mystery. And she's real. And she's here for that purpose. Going back to this idea of this, the questions that have no answer. But Our Lady then says, at the end of your journey on earth, the Heavenly Father will give them to you, will give you the answers. So I want you to tell us one question you have that you know you aren't going to know on this side of the veil, that you're going to go before God and ask Him for the answer. Why'd you let me in heaven? It's a tough question. I don't deserve it. Of all of all the sacrifices, everything we do, you can never merit what God's given us. And to me, it's a mystery. I remember sitting on my front porch when I was really going through conversion in deep, deep prayer, and I argued with God. I'm nothing. Look at these leaves on these trees. Look at one leaf in there. Look at the millions of cells, the veins of what happens and how it processes like a factory. Sunlight into food. And we put a man on the moon. I'm saying these words. I, that's why I can remember this. And I'm sitting there thinking, we can't do anything. I mean, we can put a man on the moon. We can't create a leaf like that. We can't create life with the tree and the cells in it that works so perfectly that produces something out of sunlight into wood. God, you're incredible. The mystery of how you do this and the arrogance of how we think we do something great, that's one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Where's God in that? And I apologize to God for our arrogance instead of saying that's one small step for man. By God's design, by his physics, whatever you want to say. So I'm sure there's things, if I put more thought to this, I'd say something, but I can't understand how. I went on from there. My point is, I went on from there is, why do you love us so much? We're, we're like a cell in this leaf. Why do you care so much for me? 
It's nothing for me to smash a gnat. It's nothing for you to forget me. And now I don't understand you. I don't understand your love. I don't understand you could care about us when we're so distanced or, or indifferent or, or even if we are so good. I don't have the answer for that. I know the only answer is God desires to be loved. And for us to be such little, small creatures, to give him that consolation that he wants to populate heaven, to be surrounded by people who love him and worship him, and yet we're so insignificant. And that may not be a profound answer, but to me it's profound because I don't see what difference does it make if he loses a soul to go to hell who hated him as opposed to even us who go to heaven. And we can make that much difference. It's a mystery. So I don't know if that answers your questions, but that goes back to my spiritual DNA. I was raised in a church where the church was built of brick. It's one of the most beautiful churches I've ever been to. I've been all over the world looking at churches. I still love this church in an equal way of St. Peter's in Rome. I got all my sacraments from there. But when I go there from time to time, and sometimes it's several years apart, just the smells, stepping out in the parking lot, all the roots of where I came from built who I am. The nuns were not always good. This was in the 60s. They were falling apart. The convent was falling apart. There's things that we saw we didn't like. There were habited nuns. There were nuns that were saints. And so from time to time, it's always go back to this memory lane. We have many people who tragically have left the church. I run across people all the time. Well, I used to be Catholic. And they're raised as altar boys. We served Mass. We did these things. And yet we have people leaving the church, leaving Christianity, leaving the Catholic Church. And it's sad. It's sad because we are rootless we're not grounded like a tree that's strong in the soil that the winds can come blow. Our lady says, Satan blows you like branches in a wind. She recently said about Satan's blowing you like he does the waves in the ocean. We got to go back to our roots, where we came from, and return to that. Somewhere around here there's an old church The old wooden pews Stained glass windows And a faded sign Spells the name Mary It's got a basement with broken tiles Plywood tables Piles of busted chairs God knows it's been a while Oh, somewhere down in the center of town There's an old stone church I grew up around I can hear my mama singing Be not afraid 
She gave me this when I was raised in the church. Of all the traces of her into my life today. Old children who are left only with the memory of their faith, no longer practicing it. How empty a void you can be. And he's calling you to come home. The richness of faith makes one live. How can it be that you can live without faith? You can't. You want a miracle? Pray for faith. Everything and every grace is available. Our Lady wants to give it to you. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Good night. This ends the Radio Wave show with a friend of Mechagoria. You can order this show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.